welcome, welcome to the Hoagie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg here in the Paris of the New River Valley. I am joined today by the two usual suspects. First, all the way in the coast by the 757, the soon-to-be site of a casino looking over a minor league baseball stadium. Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, are you already saving your money? I'm not much of a gambler, so no, but I do plan on going to Harbor Park as soon as possible this summer. Um, obviously, I'm a big baseball fan. They're the O's AAA affiliate. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw a live sporting event, so if I can get tickets, I am planning on going at least once a summer. Hey, man, I, I'm looking forward to some live baseball as well. I actually got to go to my first live sporting event since February of 2020. Saw the Hokies play uh, Georgia Tech on Sunday. Didn't come till the sixth inning. When I arrived, they turned a 4-3 lead into an 11-4 loss. So, so you're you're banned on, from yeah, English field is what I you're think. I me. think I'm banned from being a fan of sports teams because that's pretty much a tale as old as time for me. But hey, I know you don't like gambling, so you're not going to be part of that casino. But I know one man who does like gambling. He's in Northern Virginia, and his name is Mike McDaniel. Mike, what's going on, buddy? Love gambling, <laughs> the gambler. And see, there's the thing. Like I would invite Mike to come down. To to the Hampton Roads area when the casino buddy, opens, buddy. But he's got MGM right there, so why would he do that? He's so handing I'll out. You look. You come up here first, Rick, and then <laughs> I'll come down to you. He's <laughs> handing out locks of Saturday business cards, and it, it's just a mess. The man is the man is a, a seasoned professional, but hey, we're here, and of course, big news to talk about. But first, we got to tell you how this podcast exists podcast exists because of our good friends over at main street pharmacy main street pharmacy in downtown blacksburg is the pharmacy that you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you be a neighbor not a number check out main street pharmacy in downtown blacksburg dr jeremy counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need so gentlemen there was a press conference the other day and it was a press conference with a request, and that request was for the Virginia Tech fan base, the Virginia Tech donor base, to reach for excellence. A $400 million fundraising campaign that I viewed as an admission, an admission that Virginia Tech has fallen behind. Now, you and I, the three of us, and many people on the inside, we've known this for a long time, but as North Carolina has made progress, as Clemson has reached the pinnacle of the sport, as Virginia Tech finds themselves losing to teams like Wake Forest, Boston College, and Pittsburgh on a regular basis. It was a conversation between the powers that be and the fans that had to be had. I want to get your initial reactions from the press conference before we dive deep. Ricky, I want to hear you first. This is a very ambitious project. Um, what Virginia Tech is trying to do here is a lot, to, for lack of a better phrase. Um, Tech is planning on doing basically an entire deep renovation to Castle Coliseum, which has been in the works for probably the last six to eight years, even though it hasn't really been talked about it much. I know I reported on it. Um, a few years ago when I was fortunate enough to talk with Tom Gabbard, who is one of the senior um, associate athletic directors 
focusing on facilities and him and I went in, into detail about that. And so this has been something that's in the works in terms of castle. And then everybody knows that tech has needed to make up ground in the, in the football budget department, um, given tech's small coaching staff relative to great programs across the country, uh, given their inability to retain coaches, um, their lack of resources in terms of facilities, in terms of recruiting budgets, things of that nature. So these problems have been known for a while. Like like Castle, as cool of an arena as it is, Castle's not in good shape. Everyone knows it. The, the roof needs to be redone. Like there's a lot of stuff with Castle that's got to get taken care of. So I'm very happy that that's on, on, on the docket here. Um, and I tweeted out before the press conference began that Whip Babcock had a chance to kind of unite the fan base here around something. And it certainly seems that he's done that for the most part. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of all what's being done because we'll probably hash that out throughout the pod and, Chances are, if you're listening to this, you already know what they are. My biggest takeaway was I was disappointed, actually. Um, these plans are great. There's a lot of good stuff in here. These are the exact kinds of investments that an athletic program needs to make. And it's good that Virginia Tech is, is publicly stating that goal. But a lot like the press conference after the season with Whit Babcock about retaining Justin Fuente in the future of the football program, the devil's in the details and we didn't get any, I mean, raising 250 of the $400 million is a, is an astronomical task. And I know when you, when you spread that out over an, an eight year span, it, it obviously doesn't look as astronomical, but it's still, it's a huge undertaking. And, Tech has shown an inability to keep up in the fundraising department anyway over the last six to eight years, roughly speaking. And while we got all of the, the good stuff about what the, the, the department is planning and, and what kind of improvements we can see, we didn't get any of the details as to how this stuff is actually going to get done. How are they going to bring in bigger donors? I understand that the drive for 25 has, has raised the number of alumni that are donating and that's, and that's good. But I think there's a fair argument to be made that the progress on that has been somewhat stunted and not just by COVID-19. And they really haven't done a tremendous job of bringing in a, a significant amount of large donors to help get big projects like the weight room renovations done. That would, that that's kind of been the headliner. So for me, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get more of that. So I'm, I'm here at kind of at a point where I'm like, okay, I mean, it's a great plan and I hope they can follow through, but forgive me for being a bit skeptical. Rick, I don't even want to touch on your skepticism yet because I feel like we can hash that out in a few minutes, but Mike, I want your initial reactions as well. All right. So positives, they raised 150 million of the 400 million already. So that, that in and of itself was a surprise to me, right? Like the fact that they were able to get that money lined up to even begin with is a step in the right direction. This is a program like, like Ricky mentioned, this is a program that's needed this for a while. Like I, this is, you know, as an athletic department, 
you know, I understand that it is bold and, you know, what Babcock said himself, you know, this is a bold plan. Virginia Tech didn't have a choice but to be bold, right? Like they fell behind in multiple sports from a facility standpoint for years. And, you know, they got a new basketball practice facility. You know, they recently got the new student performance center for football going. Um, but there's still work that needs to be done from a facility standpoint um, around the university. That's been an issue since Weaver was the athletic director, Jim Weaver. Um, it actually got, goes back further than that, but yeah. Yeah, but just to know, give people an idea as to how old this problem is. It's been an issue for a while, and I don't want to sit here and, I mean, Jim Weaver's passed away, right? So I don't want to like just sit here and bury the guy, you know, more so than he already is. That's this is fair. like this has been an issue. I, I yeah, this has been an issue for a while. Um, so this needed to be done. I'm glad that Virginia Tech is acknowledging as a university that athletics need to be elevated and deserve to be elevated to the tune of four hundred million dollars in fundraising. That's great. How are they going to get there? Is the question that I'm going to be asking as well. Now, again, encouraging that 150 million of it has already been raised. The castle renovations at the forefront of the capital campaign portion of this is huge and something that's long overdue. Castle was built in 1962. There have been limited renovations, very limited renovations. This is a very outdated building, but I do like the initial plan of keeping the overall integrity of castle intact right and keeping the inside of castle relatively the same right and still upgrading while doing that and modernizing is the term that Whit babcock used i think it was a great way to put it. you know they want to modernize it but keep it uniquely castle and i think that's great and i think that's something that you know needs to be done keep the integrity of the building and what makes castle so unique keep that as is while upgrading it and modernizing it. And the thing that I was encouraged about with the castle renovation specifically was that, yeah, they're going to add club seating and there's going to be some seats that are taken away because of the additional club seating, just the areas that are going to have to be built. But the fact that they're still trying to keep it around 9,000 fans is really, really encouraging to me. Uh, they're at 9275 after the most recent seating upgrades that took place over the last year, year and a half. The fact is that they're still trying to keep it around 9,000 seats is awesome. Like that, that's a really big deal to me. And I know it's being overlooked because of, okay, the glass entryway and the club seating, the fact that it's going to be like kind of like two levels with the club seating kind of separate, like all this stuff is great. The fact that it's still going to be almost 9,000 fans is huge. Um, and the fact they're going to keep it that way, that's a really big deal to me on that front. And then on the football front, look, a lot was made about, you know, bringing in assistance to help Justin Fuente. And I don't want to make this just a Justin Fuente thing because this needed to be done for football, whether Fuente was a coach or not. And I really want to emphasize that. This is something that absolutely needed to be done for the football program, for the betterment of the program, both now and in the future, regardless of who's the football coach. But, you know, we talk about guys uh, like a Jerry Kill, um, like John Tenuta, who's joining the staff that I think will really help a young coach in Justin Hamilton. These extra coaches, you know, quality control coaches, extra analysts, extra assistants, right? Being able to pull money together, have $30 million set aside for this fundraising campaign just for the football program, being able to better fund the assistant coaching positions, keep these analysts in the door, right? Keep these guys around to help the coaching staff, whether it's Fuente or not, like you've got to have guys on your staff dedicated to this. Look at the big programs right now. Clemson's doing it. Alabama's doing it. Georgia's doing it. Ohio State's doing it. They all have these analysts, these extra coaches they're bringing in. 
we make jokes about Alabama being like, you know, it, it's where, you know, coaches who have been fired, they go and revive their careers at Bama and then they go take a job somewhere else. And it's become like a joke, but it's a serious thing now, right? It's something they've been doing. I'm not saying Virginia Tech's going to turn into that because Virginia Tech's not Alabama. They're not a national championship program. But if you want to model your program and how you're going to run things based off of programs that have been successful, like at Clemson, like in Alabama, like in Ohio State, go do that, right? Go pay your assistants more money, create more opportunities for more coaches to be on the staff, more ideas in the room. That's only going to help your program more moving forward. And I think if Virginia Tech's able to use that fundraising money to, to push towards staffing for the football program, I think that's a big deal regardless of who the head coach is. All I saw this press conference as was a rejection of complacency. Now, we all know how good Virginia Tech used to be on the football field. Virginia Tech was a regular ACC winner. Virginia Tech went to a national championship game. Virginia Tech, for a good time, was on the higher end of Power 5 college football programs in terms of fundraising. But when times got good, Virginia Tech did not capitalize. And in life, in politics, in business, you always have to be on the cutting edge of everything. You always have to be looking forward. You can never look back, and Virginia Tech did not do that. First, it was winning with what we have. Then it was winning with less. But just as upstarts like Facebook rejected the acquisition attempt of Yahoo and then surpassed them. I mean, now look at it. Yahoo is worth what? Probably around $4 billion. Facebook's worth exponentially more than that. Probably around $800 billion. Doesn't even come close. Virginia Tech has let the competition surpass them. And the efforts that they have made to catch up with the competition, I wouldn't say they failed, but they haven't come close. This is Virginia Tech saying, and this is the athletic department saying, if we want to keep up with the Joneses, if we want to compete with Clemson, if we want to keep pace with the University of North Carolina, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need. Give us the money, and here's what we'll do with it. And, of course, now that is a choice amongst the fan base, but more specifically, the larger donor base to say, Yes, okay, here's the plan. We will invest in it. We will commit to it. But this is Witt saying, this is what we want to do. Here's where we're at. We're losing to Wake Forest. We're losing to Pittsburgh. We're not scratching the surface of Clemson. We're barely even scratching the surface of North Carolina right now in terms of what they're doing on the recruiting trail, in terms of how much their assistance make, in terms of what their facilities look like. And our stuff might be nice. But it looked a hell of a lot nicer in 1999 the last time we made a serious investment here. This is the re-up. And it's the choice of the people that have the means financially. It's a call to action. But I want to I get down to a, a lower level standpoint before we talk about the big donors. I look at programs like Clemson. And I, I, I know plenty of people that went to Clemson. I know people that went to Alabama. And, and big time power five college football programs are the like. The kind of programs that aren't surprised when they find themselves in the college football playoff. In fact, it's more of an expectation than anything else. It is a point of personal pride in almost every single alumni's heart that when their football team goes out on Saturday, they're going to win the darn game. And that is 
something that's hard to create. It's hard to encapsulate that. And I think Virginia Tech had that for a while. And I think to an extent, we still do have that, given how many of our alumni were around during the good times. But for some younger people and for some disillusioned people, people that have, quite frankly, demonized the athletic department over the course of the past few years. And I can't look at them and say that they're unjustified in their feeling of what I can only call betrayal. But we need to revitalize that fan base. We need to make every Virginia Tech alumni feel like football is a part of the culture because that's how Clemson gets every single person who walks out the door at a minimum. If you're that guy that goes to the football game on Saturday, if you're that guy that is making the trip down to the national championship at a minimum, you're donating $25. And once everyone's doing it, it's so much easier once that culture is built to have your big time rich guy alumni drop 25 million. I don't know how much a rich alumni donates, but it's a lot. So how can Virginia Tech revitalize the lower income level of donors, the young alumni, the people that are in the stands right now, if not for COVID, and say, let's make this a culture again. Well, it's hard to do that when you don't have a spring game. <laughs> I feel like I, I don't want that to be like a, a, a jab, but it kind of is. Um, that's that's going to be one of one of the athletic department's biggest tasks. Um, and it falls on the administration, but I think more importantly, it falls on Justin Fuente um, to – embrace the football ambassador role you know as a as an nfl coach right like you're not an ambassador for your franchise right it's just a different it's a different ball game as an nfl coach you are much more oriented with just the team right as a college coach you have to really take on this this role of not just being a coach but being like a ceo and having your hand in everything regarding the program. Um, Justin has to embrace that. I know he I know he loves to coach. I know he would prefer if he could only coach. But being a head coach in college football, that's just not how it is. Um, so th- this is going to take more effort than anyone in the in the department has given thus far to get this done, I think. I wrote, I wrote about that in something that hasn't been published yet, but basically everyone associated with Virginia Tech Athletics is going to have to give more than they've ever given in terms of not just motivating people to donate, but actually securing those donations. This is not going to be easy. And I think fans need to, while be excited about all of these plans and all of these projects and what kind of positive change this could bring fans need to hold the department accountable in making sure that they do their part as well because it 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 can't just be Whit Babcock standing at your door saying hey I need you to give money right it can't just be Whit or Charlie Flieger or whoever else in the in the hockey club fundraising team out there with their hand out just saying hey I need I need a thousand dollars this is about becoming a sales driven department in in terms of generating revenue and 
I think Tech's department, specifically the Hokie Club, has to elevate themselves into that kind of culture rather than the kind of small-time fundraising that we've seen for most of Virginia Tech's existence. Ricky, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I don't want to touch too much on Justin Fuente right now because I want to look at that a little bit later in terms of what this whole thing means for him. But I do agree with you in, in terms of there needs to be salesmen up and down the ladder. It can't just be with Babcock. And you talk about the idea of a university, the idea of college. And yes, you come to college to get a degree, to get a job. So you can enter the middle class or above. And that is how they justify making this shit so expensive. But at the same time, there is a secondary reason that people go to college and it's for a sense of community. And right now, I don't think that the current environment around the football team embodies that sense of community. Now, Frank Beamer, a lifelong Hokie, embodied that sense of community. Mike, you and I, I remember a, a few years ago, we were on an elevator with Frank Beamer and he shook our hand and he said, beautiful day for football, boys. And, and, and that's the Frank Beamer you know. That's the Frank Beamer you saw walking his dog around campus. That's the Frank Beamer that got you excited to be a part of the program. When Frank Beamer talks, people listen. And that goes to this day. I played in a charity golf tournament on Friday. Frank Beamer was the keynote speaker. You could listen to a pin drop. It was that quiet. People wanted to see what Frank Beamer, five, six years removed from coaching, had to say. Justin Fuente doesn't necessarily need to be Ronald McDonald. He doesn't need to shake everyone's hand and kiss every baby and try to sell everyone a cheeseburger. But he needs to be able to get people excited about this. And I think that is the role that he does need to play or him or whoever's the next football coach, because it's going to be a full team effort. I'm glad you guys brought that up because this is not only a total shift in what we're asking Justin Fuente to do, right? Or what's expected of Justin Fuente. Look, this has been something that we've wanted to see out of Justin Fuente for quite some time, right? Be an ambassador of Virginia Tech, right? Not just for the football program, but for the athletic department, for the university. Um, something that, you know, came easy to Frank Beamer right? And maybe it didn't come easy to him initially, but when you're the coach at Virginia Tech for 30 years, it becomes easier over time, right? Um, you build a program, you really put the university on the map. I mean, let's call it what it is. Without Michael Vick, Virginia Tech is not the football program that it is today, right? He put the university on the map. The football program took off as a result of that. Frank Beamer, obviously a huge part of it, but being able to get Michael Vick in the door um, and have him lead the program really put Virginia Tech on that pedestal moving forward. And, you know, he embraced that ambassador role, Frank Beamer did. And that's something that we've been waiting for Justin Fuente to do and something that I think a lot of us were expecting him to be able to pick up very easily. But it's, it's hard for different people, right? Depending on personality, it's very difficult to sometimes step into that role that you're not necessarily comfortable with. But it's something that Justin Fuente has a responsibility to do as the head football coach at Virginia Tech. In addition, on a broader scale, we're now asking, to Ricky's point, we're now asking the athletic department to put football and put the athletic department more at the forefront of the university's thinking. One major part, uh, a major part that I'm going to take out of yesterday's press conference is that Virginia Tech's athletic push here with the Reach for Excellence campaign is now 1A with 
all the fundraising going into engineering on the academic side of the house. Well, well, how jarring was it to see Tim Sands in the building, right? Not only was Tim Sands in the building, he was the first one to speak, right? And he's the one who said it's engineering, fundraising for engineering, fundraising for athletics is number two. Think about all of the great, I mean, Virginia Tech is an engineering school. I understand that it's going to be number one, but like, I'm a proud graduate of Pamplin, which was an excellent business school, right? And when you're putting athletics right there with engineering, that's telling me that you're taking it seriously, right? Not to say that Virginia Tech's never taken athletics seriously because football program's been good. Historically, basketball's been fine. Great wrestling program. Soccer teams are good, whatever. But now that you're pushing that more towards the forefront, we're now asking the athletic department, to Ricky's point, to be you know, more salesy, right? And we're asking alums to really donate to this thing more than we ever have before. This is the largest initiative for athletics ever, right? $400 million is the largest fundraising campaign ever for Virginia Tech. This is no joke, guys. This is ambitious. This is bold. We're now asking everybody from alums, big donors on down to pull their weight in a manner that has never been asked of them before. And Andrew, to your original question about the small donors, win football games, right? Yeah. Continue winning, right? And the others, you know, winning the other sports too, which is something Virginia Tech's doing a really good job of, by the way. Um, They're they're doing a great job of winning on the basketball side, both men's and women's. Soccer programs are doing great. Wrestling, we know what they're capable of. Baseball, Baseball team is having their best, they're having their best season in probably six or seven years. Softball team's always good. Track and field, we know we have national champions on that side. This is, this is a very good athletic program, but it all starts with football. Any successful athletics program at a major university level is led by the football program on down, with the exception of, like, five schools, right? Like Duke, Kentucky, et cetera. Kansas, like, yeah. Kansas. Like, outside of that, football runs the show at most universities, and funds a majority of the athletic department. Football needs to be good at Virginia Tech. And everybody knows that. It's a reason why 30 million of this is dedicated solely to football. We know football needs to be good. But in order for the small donors to feel important and feel like, you know, their 10, 15, 20, $25 donation is going to go to somewhere, they need to see the program win. And this younger generation of Hokies, let's be honest, they have not seen a whole lot of winning guys right? Like think of the kids who were freshmen at Virginia Tech, right? Say they're like, I don't know, 18 years old, right? The last time Virginia Tech was real good was 2016, right? So think they were like 12 or 13. And the last time they were good before that was 2011, right? These kids were pretty young. The last time Virginia Tech had a really competitive football program. So they didn't grow up like we did where Virginia Tech was in the top five, top 10 in the country and on TV every week, right? So start winning football games. It's a great place to start. Winning cures everything, everything, I'm telling you. And you're asking for people to donate. You're asking for this push to, to put more money into the athletic program than ever before. But the only way that's going to happen is to win, right? And whether it's Justin Fuente or the next guy after him, you got to start winning football games to really make this thing go. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've seen it out there that um, – Tech fans need to start donating because that's how Clemson got to where they're at. Um, but Clemson started winning games first. Clemson wasn't 
a seven, eight win team. And then the donations came. So if you look at Clemson's finances over the, the last 15 or so years, the real jump in contributions came in 2016 when they went from about 19.9 million to 35.6. The, the records of Clemson's football program for the previous five seasons is as follows. 10 and 4, 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 10 and 3, 14 and 1. And that 2015 season, they lost in the national championship game. So they didn't really start getting on par with the Joneses in fundraising until after Dabo was already winning. So to me, this is not a, a chicken before the egg deal, right? Like you've got to start winning games first for people to feel invested. As Mike said, people are not going to go out there, especially after a lot of people have spent the last year unable to work because the government shut their business down and they've been stuck on unemployment and living off of stimulus checks, they're not going to finally get their job and now try and, and, and unwreck their finances and then say, oh, I'm going to go ahead and purchase season tickets with the, with the licensing, licensing fee on top of that and, and drop two grand, right? Like they need to feel like they're investing in something that isn't a sinking ship. So th this goes back to the department, the, the, the football program, the PR people. You've got to completely change the perspective of Virginia Tech football. And while there's a lot of work that can be done off the field to do that, the main thing is winning football games and not worrying about whether or not you're going to make a bowl game in October. Well, one thing I think is important is that the acknowledgement, and again, I've called it a rejection of complacency. It seemed like every previous fundraising drive that the athletic department had was, hey, pay X amount of money, you'll get a better parking space. Hey, pay X amount of money, you'll get a better seat. Today, they're like, or, or yesterday, from the moment we're recording, said, hey, Give us all the money that you could possibly give us so we can win games. At least they're acknowledging the reality. The second thing, though, is when we talk about the younger kid, and you mentioned 18-year-olds, and, you know, I, I live with a guy by the name of Chan Woo Kim. He's got a brother who's a freshman here, and he came over for dinner last night. We were watching Virginia Tech baseball with a ranked number next to their name on ESPN come back and win a baseball game. I looked at him, I said, Eric, back when I was a freshman, it was the football team that was good and everything else was trash. Now we live in quite the opposite situation. Isn't that funny? If you're a senior right now, what was the best game that you saw during your college experience? Was it your first game as a freshman when we beat West Virginia at FedEx field? Was Probably. it, was it any <laughs> game in, in 2019 where you had to watch us lose to Duke first in order to make our, our valiant comeback your, your senior year was a disaster and not only was it a disaster the university wouldn't even let you go to the games yeah i don't blame these young people for not having allegiance to a university that for two graduating classes in a row wouldn't let them walk in a ceremony especially now with these younger kids it is going to take a lot of effort on a lot of fronts to re-engage these younger people who are clearly disillusioned by the way that a university who I'm sure they love, but they don't think about the institution in that way. 
they think about the friends that they made on the path to graduation in that way. That's their memories. They look at the institution as someone that took at a minimum, I mean, what's in-state tuition per year? $20,000? It's tough, but I got to ask you guys, in terms of big donors now, let's, let's, let's flip the script here. What's been the issue so far? Has it been a lack of messaging? Because that's my take, but I don't know anything about this. Was it a lack of messaging? Why haven't we been there? Because there's plenty of rich people that went to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is one of the higher level academic schools in the conference. And certainly a higher level academic school than a lot of our opponents that out, outdo us. If we're, being, if we're being frank, we probably have more rich people than them. So what has been the problem? I think the athletic department has wrongly refused to um and i'm speaking specifically about the fundraising arm here um has refused to be more like ohio state and alabama and and embrace that sales culture um i know a lot of people who are in the hokey club um and the the most frequent complaint I get is that it feels way too small time of an operation for them. And they don't feel like they're being um, catered to. They don't feel like they're being um, taken seriously in, in, in some ways. They don't feel like they're getting their money's worth. They don't feel like they're, they have a relationship with anyone inside the hockey club specifically. And that's actually been, one of the biggest complaints. Um, and that's what happens when you, when you don't run a, a tight operation over there. And I don't know anyone. That's not true. I know I've, I've known a few people in the, in the hockey club and they're, they're great people, but as, as an organization, you have to embrace being something different. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. If you're just treading water, then people are people are passing you, man. This isn't 2005 when you can um, operate like that anymore because college athletics is now a multi-billion with a, an infinity sign next to it industry. Don't be Quiznos, be Chick-fil-A. Yeah, you, you have to you have to stop acting like a small time athletic department if you don't want to be a small time athletic department. I mean the way Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama and LSU and Auburn the way that they approach their alumni, the way that they approach their messaging, the way that they approach their fundraising is so dramatically different than how Virginia Tech does it. And Part of the reason is that they can do that because those are successful programs and they, they actually take full advantage of what they have on the roster and they win some games. Um, but part of it is also a culture. And while a lot of us, especially alumni, we appreciate the fact that Virginia Tech has that hometown feel and that it's not a giant institution. And we, we appreciate that, that it's not one of these mega schools. that has got 50,000 people, even though in the next 40, 50 years, we may, may be there. Um, we kind of appreciate that, but you can't attack fundraising in that manner. You have to be completely different. 
you have to run this like you're running a Fortune 500 company. That's the kind of approach you have to have if you're going to try and compete with the schools that have larger alumni bases than you and have an alumni base that has a higher median wealth than you do. And Ricky, I think you're right. E- even looking at corporate America as the example, if you go at something in corporate America with a product, but then looking forward with a certain amount of tenacity and a certain amount of confidence, people can get behind that. But when it looks like you're the dog with this tail between his legs, it's a harder product to invest in. It's a harder product to invest your confidence in. That is why I like what they've done. I, I want to turn around and look at exactly the plan that they've laid out. And I'll go through it real quick. On the football side, they're looking to allocate $5 million to recruiting, $10 million to assistant coach salaries, $5 million to quality control coaches, $2 million to student athlete development, and $8 million to capital needs. And for those of you that don't know what capital needs means, straight up flexing, making ourselves look good. In your guys' opinion, when you look at that list, what's the most pressing need? Where on that list is Virginia Tech the farthest behind? What's the highest level of priority there? Recruiting. It's not even close. It's recruiting. It's got to be recruiting. They, the, Virginia Tech's been relying on recent graduates to be and this isn't a shot john yesi you know he put a lot into recruiting at virginia tech but he graduated in 2015 with me and he did everything he could but like there are athletic departments around the country that are on par with virginia tech in terms of like historic basis of a football program like top historically like top 20, 25 teams in the country that don't have like a kid in his mid to late twenties as one of the directors of recruiting, like Virginia tech needs to do better in the recruiting department, right? Like they need to do better. I mean, this was, you know, Virginia tech had the worst recruiting class in the power five, two years ago. They had the 45th ranked class nationally in 2021 2022 looks good with the verbal commits they've gotten so far. They have a top 30 class, but like it, there's a long way to go guys. And like, there's, are like, you telling me that question. not every Texas commit is actually going to come? I, <laughs> shocking, I, I, shocking. I know shocking. Um, but it's without, to, to me, without question, it's recruiting like Virginia tech has a lot of ground to make up there. And it's, we could talk about being the coach. I, look, I get, I get it. Justin Puente does it as a head coach. Let's call it what it is. He doesn't love to recruit. But if you don't love to recruit as the head coach, find some assistants who can, right? Which I think is what he's been trying to do the last couple of years. And I think that he understands now he needs to do a better job being proactive in the state of Virginia recruiting, which is why Virginia Tech has spent a lot more time with his 2022 recruiting class trying to get their foot back in the door in Virginia. It's an uphill battle, but it's clear they're trying to make an effort there. I, it's got to be recruiting, like without question for me. Without question. Yeah. I mean, the message for Justin Fuente is Toto, I think we're not in Memphis anymore. It's a different ball game in terms of the competition that you're going against. Development can only take you so far because the difference in talent between the top end that you can get and the bottom end is frankly far greater. I mean, the difference between the guys that Fuente got 
at Memphis and the guys that Tulsa got at the same time, they were probably on par. Fuente might've gotten lower level recruits, but it's such a small gap to close that your ability as a coach can in fact do that. And I don't distrust this coaching staff to be able to develop players. We've seen how guys like Divine Diablo and of course our great example of Caleb Farley and Christian Darasaw coming in as four and in the case of Darasaw, essentially a non-recruit into NFL players. But it's, it's got to be across the board. I fully understand Mike's point and I, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I don't think it can be understated having a larger budget to retain good coaches in your program. Um, yep. Virginia tech needs to win games in order to, I think be a bit sexier with recruits. And as much as we might hate to say it, I don't know if a, a school in Blacksburg, Virginia is ever going to be a recruiting mega, you know, juggernaut, right? I love Blacksburg. Mike, you love Blacksburg. Andrew, you like Blacksburg too. But for a lot of kids that are, you know, have aspirations to play big time football, I can't blame them if they're not really interested in going to a a small college town like Blacksburg, as much as I love it. And I I can't wait to get back for a visit. Um the way that you can try and counteract that, and it's something that Justin Fuente mentioned this offseason, is being the best development program in the country. And that's that's not going to elevate you to the level of Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson. But if you start becoming a program that's known for developing players and getting the most out of them, you can get yourself close, close enough to make some noise. And I still think that's the most realistic path for Virginia Tech to get to where they want to go. And having a larger budget to bring in better coaches and bring in coaches with better resumes and bring in more quality control coaches and not just quality control coaches that don't have any legitimate experience and guys that are former players, but going to get guys who have experience at other programs and bringing them into yours and helping incorporate the types of things that they've seen and the ideas that they have into your program, I think that that's a huge, huge plus. And if Tech is able to make that happen, I do think we're going to see benefits of that. Um, and it's not a shot at them hiring former players, but you also need to be able to bring guys in who have legitimate coaching experience, who have gritted their teeth at a, at a, at a former stop, and they know how to coach college guys. Guys, I want to look at this in terms – I guess I could say in the context of Justin Fuente, right? Because I have some friends who initially, and they have warmed up to it after reading all the details, but initially looked at this reach for excellence campaign and said, reach for excellence, but we're going to keep the coach that has had two of the losingest seasons in program history, or at least a program recent history, I kind of view it as something that doesn't really change Justin Fuente's job situation. I don't think Justin Fuente's hot seat changes in the slightest as a result of this. But do you guys think that Justin Fuente's job status at all whatsoever is impacted by the fact that we have these long-term plans and he was at the podium talking about them? 
I don't know the answer to that, but as soon as Whit Babcock retained Justin Fuente in December, I said on this podcast, I thought this was going to be more than one year for Justin Fuente as far as like how long of a leash he had, unless he really bottomed out. I thought once Whit Babcock tied the boat, so to speak, to Justin Fuente, I thought it would be more, for more than one year, unless it really just, we're talking like three, four win season. Um, and maybe that's because this was in the works. I mean, I have no idea. I don't know if it really has anything to do with Justin Puente. I think this is just a larger scale thing that Virginia Tech's football program needed. Now, I will say that I'm not so naive to think that Justin Puente telling Whit Babcock when he was flirting with Baylor about a year and a half ago that Baylor has more stuff than we do. You're telling me that didn't impact this at all? I, I think it probably did. Now, it's it's look again, Virginia Tech needed to get here at some point where they started to allocate more money to the football program. But I'm sure that was something, a seed that was planted in Whit Babcock's head saying, hey, look, like we need to put more money into the football program here. But I don't think this has anything to do directly with Justin Puente. Um, I, I think this needed to be done regardless of whether Puente was a coach or not. I'm not sure that it affects Justin's job status, but it definitely shouldn't. I think it's pretty safe to say that by the time this capital campaign is over, Justin Fuente will not be the head coach at Virginia Tech. Um, That's eight years from now. I don't think that that's going to happen. This is is an initiative designed to benefit Virginia Tech 10, 15 years from now. This kind of initiative is not going to have an impact next season. It's not going to have an impact really in three or four seasons from now. You're not going to see a a serious impact in this initiative on the football field for a few years. And for, for fans that are looking for quicker gratification, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you, but these are the kind of institutional investments that take time to not only make happen, but also to reap the benefits from. So I certainly agree with Mike that Justin obviously had his hand in, in creating this plan and talking with Witt about what is needed and how they can use it. But his contributions to this, this campaign should in no way make him any, any safer in terms of his job security. Gentlemen, the way I look at it is, and it might not be fair, but the thing that may have sparked this, the moment that may have forced reflection in the eyes of Whip Babcock and everyone in the Virginia Tech Athletic Department had to have been the consideration of Baylor, as we've talked about before. Unfortunately, since then, Justin has bought himself a short leash. Who knows? Maybe Justin wins eight, nine games with this team next year. And I don't believe it's probable, but I believe it's possible. And perhaps he can save his job. But if that doesn't happen, and he does end up on the chopping block, you can look at the next crop of coaches and say, here's what we're going to give you. And it's coming soon to a theater near you. We'll give you those recruiting assistants, those assistant coaches, those quality control coaches. We'll give you the facilities that allow you to bring young gentlemen from all over the country to Blacksburg, Virginia, and say, we compete. It ain't that worse than North Carolina. And that's something that, you know, when we talk about doing more with less, which 
quite frankly, Virginia Tech has done, but they did it in 2015 when we weren't as far behind. And we did it with guys from our own backyard. We did it with guys with familial relations to other guys in the program, the Fullers, the Edmonds. It was easy. We got lucky. That's not going to fly anymore. It's not going to fly anymore. And yeah, we've developed some players. It's not going to fly anymore. You can't bet on that. Pittsburgh's had plenty of great NFL players. North Carolina in their non-heyday had them. Eastern Illinois has had two NFL quarterbacks. It could happen, but you can't bet on it. And it's not going to win you a football game. So if Fuente stays, he has a good situation to work with. If he leaves, we set up the new coach in a situation that we didn't set up Justin Fuente. And perhaps that's Justin Fuente's fault for not looking that deeply into the program. Perhaps he thought the clout could take him so far, but it didn't. Yeah. And, and real quick, one last thing here, like, regardless of what you think of Justin Fuente, we need to stop with this narrative that's out there because people have been tweeting it at me and I'm so sick and tired of it that Justin Fuente was handed a program that could do no wrong. It's absolutely ridiculous. Frank Beamer averaged seven wins per season his last four years. This wasn't like a cookie cutter national contending program when Justin Fuente took it over and he just absolutely torpedoed it. And and that's why that's why his 2016 performance was so was so noteworthy. It's it was so good. It was considered to be revolutionary. Our problems had ended. It was so good. It was and he deserves a lot more credit for that year than he gets, to be quite honest with you, because people are so sick of him at this point. But it was just an unbelievable year for Virginia Tech football. In 2017, even though it was still a good year in 2017, you know, Virginia Tech won nine games, went to the Camping World Bowl, lost to a really good Oklahoma State team. It was a pretty good year for Virginia Tech in 2017. With Gerard Evans at quarterback, it would have been even better. They would have won 10-plus games again, and that really could have changed the trajectory and how we talk about things now. It doesn't excuse the last couple of years for Justin Fuente, but the fact that he is getting – there's this narrative now it's revisionist history to be quite honest with you that this was an unbelievable program when he took it over is just crazy I mean for four years it was not very good and I'm willing to speak on that because I was a student from 2011 to 2015 when this thing really started going downhill in the ACC championship game in 2011 all downhill from there quite frankly we haven't been really good in a while and again before I say this I acknowledge that Justin Fuente has some work to do and he is rightfully on the hot seat. Yes. Don't get me wrong, but there are some people who act like Tyrod did it. Mikey Tyrod did it. Then they went into a coma and the next thing that they woke up to was us losing to old dominion. Yeah. And I, I can't, I mean, Ricky was laughing at me. I get really fired up about this one because I was a student during this time. And I was after 2011, I was like, man, let the good times roll, baby. This is just going to be a continuation of uh, the late 2000s, early 2010s. Like, we're going to roll here, 2012 through 2015. The team was just total trash. No, like, I mean, it's a three-year period. And then it, it, you, know, you get to 2016, and things got better. But it was not very good there for a few years. Yeah, 2015 I mean, people... pit is still number two oh. on my list oh. in terms of, like, worst. like Horrible. Like, 2019 Duke it will never be will, will never be topped for me even though I didn't attend that in person. I attended the 2015 game 
against Pittsburgh at home in person. And between the miserable, miserable performance on the field and the weather and the fact that that's the only tech game I've ever been able to get my dad to go to, I was so epically disappointed (laughs) in that game. To me, that's that's like a, a a concrete number two worst all time I've ever seen tech. I mean, yeah. you got to throw in twenty eighteen pit and twenty twenty pit, and also every whatever time year, whatever year the the six three game was. Obviously, that was bad. No, that oh. was lit. That was lit. <laughs> I was there. I was Frank lucky was enough pumped. to be there. But like, but all these things happened, like, like, like Mike mentioned, right after 2011, things just really started to go downhill. And I, I really do think 2015 or it was probably 2014, 2015, when things really just got ugly. It was bad. You know, <laughs> if, if, if you look at your stock portfolio and it's a million dollars and then you wait seven years and suddenly it's worth nothing, that's your fault for not checking. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, like, like it's been a process, but it's been a systemic process and it doesn't just have to do with the coaches. It has to do with everything from the president of the university and, and the board of visitors on down. It's a lack of investment in the athletic programs, or maybe even investing in the wrong athletic programs. And I'm mean, throw no shade at the baseball team or the softball team or any of those people. But like you mentioned earlier, Mike, big time athletics, trickle down economics. When the rich get rich, hey man, poor get richer. Trickle down economics. You can't say that. So okay, so I I I gotta ask you guys one more. I gotta ask you guys one before we go. We know what the fundraising goal is, but when you look at where the athletic department wants to be in terms of their bank account, in terms of what they're asking us, the alumni base, to give them, and you see that. Imagine it happens. Imagine those $400 million are raised and we'll give them a two, three year buffer period after that $400 million is hit. Where is this team supposed to be at that point? You're asking me where the team's supposed to be almost a decade from now. Well, I'm saying if we are, (laughs) so, so uh, Ricky, you get what I'm saying though. I mean, we are supposed to keep up with the Joneses, right? So what is it? Competing for ACC championships, competing well, for national championships, well, okay, so, not sorry. just not losing to Boston College. Yeah. So here's here's the other thing about this plan. Like, yeah, the plan's great in terms of what they what they want to do. Like I said earlier, it was really short on the details. I was really disappointed with that, and for that, I'm in wait and see mode. But it would be naive to think that Virginia Tech is going to be the only program rel- that is close to that that area in terms of the college football hierarchy that's going to make significant investments in their program. So while Virginia Tech is doing this to try and catch up, all of the other programs that they're competing with are also going to be doing similar types of things. Mm-hmm. So while this may get Virginia Tech back to a 9-10 win ceiling or – a nine, 10 win expectation is probably more realistic. Um, this is not going to make Virginia tech a perennial national title contender. This is not going to make Virginia tech a perennial threat to, to dethrone Clemson in the ACC. 
I think best case scenario, this makes Virginia Tech a consistent competitive team in the conference that regularly wins nine plus games. And on the one, one out of every three to four seasons, they have just enough leadership with just enough talent and they're able to make a serious run at Clemson. That's the best case scenario that's going to come out of this. And as much as fans want this type of capital campaign to vault Virginia tech into Clemson territory, it's just not going to do it. Well, I don't think I'm asking for Clemson territory because where Clemson is, is I don't think a lot of people are. I think no. most people just want the, the early two thousands, the mid two thousands back. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, Clemson territory is pinnacle territory. You can't get much better than that. Yeah. But when you say that, you don't think that these other programs are going to try to do the same thing and catch up. You're not wrong, but what Virginia tech, I believe has that some other schools don't is they have the fan investment, the personal fan investment where it can happen. Like they can raise that. Fund. I don't think Boston college at Pitt could raise these kind of funds. Yeah, maybe, know, I, maybe, 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 maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive. Being Maybe private institutions, a lot of times those schools can raise more money than you think. I, I understand what you're saying in that the, the fan base is larger, um, and there's a there's a broader pool to to draw from. But I'm just not talking about the ACC either. I'm talking about other programs that are kind of in that middle tier of the college football hierarchy that Virginia tech is regularly trying to compete with those, those programs are also going to be making investments. The West Virginia's and Tennessee's in the world. Yeah. I mean, in hell you could make the argument that Tennessee is still above Virginia tech just because of the, the financial resources that they have, the tradition that they have in terms of having a national championship on their banner. Um, so tech has a lot of schools that they're competing with. And all of the all of the Joneses that they're supposedly trying to catch up to in 10 years from now, Clemson, I don't even want to know what Clemson and Alabama are going to have at their football facility. They could have a, a freaking spaceship. OK, like who the hell knows what Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State are going to have at their football facility a decade from now. But Virginia Tech has to try and get their neck above the people that they're at right now. And there's no guarantee that this program is going to get them there because the same programs that they're fighting with right now, not all of them, but some of them are going to be making similar investments. I mean, I, I maybe I have low expectations, <laughs> but if we I'm just get... trying to get people to kind of temper down a little bit no. because I understand there's a lot of excitement in this. And you know what? Dream big, baby. It's awesome. There haven't been a lot of reasons to be optimistic if you're a Virginia Tech fan for the last two and a half years. So I get it. But I also don't want you to be stupid. I want you to understand that there are realistic restraints that are going to be on this in terms of the effectiveness of it and what it's going to actually look like 10 years from now. Honestly, like, get back to Miami's level. Like, Miami hasn't been a consistently great program for the last decade or so, and I get that they were a national championship program 15 or 20 years ago, but, like, get back to that level where you're winning eight, nine, ten games a year consistently. And like Ricky said, getting back to the level Virginia Tech was at during the mid-2000s is really what Tech fans 
should realistically expect from this fundraising campaign specifically because competing with Clemson consistently is an awesome goal and something that Virginia Tech should want to do, right? You want to win national championships. But I think that the truth is during Frank Beamer's tenure, this was a program that aspired to win the ACC consistently. And at the time, that meant something that's a lot different than what it means now. Winning the ACC 10, 12 years ago meant that you were going to be one of the top 10 teams in the country. Winning the ACC now and beating a team like Clemson means that you're one of the top three or four best teams in the country. Winning the ACC 10 years ago meant that you, me, and Ricky were all going on vacation to Miami to go to the Orange Bowl and watch them play the Pac-12 winner or the Pac-12 runner-up. That's right. It's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. So have your expectations be realistic. Always reach for something bigger. But understanding at the same time that this fundraising campaign is going to get you a bit closer to where you want to go, but maybe not necessarily all the way there if you have national championship level aspirations, which means beating Clemson. Being in the conversation, though, in the ACC championship game is something that I think every Virginia Tech fan would sign up for right now, though, given the state of the program in recent years. You know, guys, I'm always a proponent of BFGs. Big, fill-in-the-blank goals. And earlier in this academic calendar, when they asked Hunter Couture, what's the goal for this team? And he said, we're going to win the national championship. That's our goal. Everyone scoffed, but you got to respect it. He had BFGs for Virginia Tech in a fundraising campaign. Can you trademark that, bro? Can you please get that trademarked within the next month? Maybe I will. Maybe I will. But in all seriousness, though, in a fundraising campaign, just like when you're a mid-tier ACC team who might make the tournament, go for the BFGs, reach for the stars, try to be Alabama. But realistically speaking, what does success look like? We play in a division in the ACC, the weakest division, by the way, in all of Power Five Conference football over the course of the last decade, where they completed the full circle. Every single team won before anyone won twice. It was a perfect loop. And perhaps that was luck for Virginia Tech because Miami never strayed out of the pack. It took a while for North Carolina to realize how much money they could raise through their alumni base and get to the point where they are looking to go right now. But if changes aren't made, right? I mean, I think for all three of us right now in the state of Virginia Tech football, the goal would have to be make it to the ACC championship game and give yourself a shot. Give yourself a shot. Just like we saw in 2016, they weren't Clemson. They weren't Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams, that great receiver and plenty of other professional players in the defense, but they hung in there. They gave themselves a shot. They had the ball on the last drive and time ran out. They came within a whiffed block of maybe having like a, a legit chance at the end zone. Like Correct. Trayvon McMillan doesn't, doesn't miss on his assignment 
Tech possibly converts the fourth down, and then after that point, you never know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, and and that is an admirable goal and a realistic goal, and things change. People don't always stay at the top. Schools, I should say, don't always stay at the top. Nebraska was the best team in college football forever. Nebraska has been waiting to be back for almost 20 years now. Virginia Tech needs to put themselves in a position with this fundraising campaign to within the next 10 years after that, maybe make the jump, but you're not going to get there because you're either there or you get left behind. And I don't think in the current environment surrounding college sports, and we don't even have to get into name, image, and likeness because that is a whole different story. And that yeah, is going who to the hell change knows how the that's game change completely. But at least based on the set of rules that we are currently aware of, Virginia Tech's not going to be able to keep up with Miami. They're not going to be able to keep up with North Carolina without a serious influx of cash. And as such, this fundraising campaign is necessary because we need to decide whether we want this to be a genuinely big time college football program. And we, as not me, but like really, really rich people who have the power to change things. <laughs> like that's true. So it's, it's totally interesting, man. This program is such an enigma insofar as they had successfully ridden the clout of days of past for quite some time, but it's truly expiring. And this press conference was an admission that that is not a tenable plan anymore. And I think that people who've been paying attention to the last two recruiting cycles and the last two seasons have been aware of that for a while, but it'll be really interesting to see how uh, the rest of it goes. You guys have any last thoughts before we uh, check on out here? Uh, my Orioles don't suck. My Orioles are not bad. We're, we're a below average right now, which is fine considering everyone thought we were going to win two games all season. So take that everybody. Your boy, Andrew Alex bet a big time $10 on them to win more than 63 games this season. So you're, I, you're looking pretty good right now. I'm, I'm feeling good. Lie. I'm feeling good. Unfortunately for my fantasy team, I got like Mullins and Mountcastle and Mancini. Well, and Mullins they can never get hot at the same time. Yeah. Mullins got off to a really hot start and he's cooled off. Mancini's kind of teetering right now. And Mountie is just, that does not have it. Yeah, no, he's sitting on the bench. He's sitting on the bench. I also got John Means, though. Hey, He's ship playing it. well. Ship it. He's playing well. Oh, like, and rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, no, rate, review, subscribe. Hey, rate, review, subscribe, McDaniel. Uh, your Red Sox are doing all right. Yeah, they're going to win the World Series. <laughs> oh, my, all right. Andrew, we're done. End the pod right now. We're done. Well, the See reason, October, I, boys. The reason I was able to do this so seamlessly was because my Mets were winning 2 nothing in the fourth inning against uh, – the the chicago cubs and, and then, then they let up seven runs so. yeah i i was funny I, I i actually watched that video while i believe it was mike who was talking earlier in the podcast <laughs> holy crap there man. was like 18 errors on one play just bad news mets yeah no well that's that's my entire life that's truly my entire life so gentlemen i think we're going to be back early next week to talk about the nfl draft we got a couple players looking to go in the first round. And then, of course, quite a few more looking in the late rounds. 
I think I'm going to say that they're all going to be NFL stars. Ricky, can you push back on me, please? They're not all going to be NFL stars. Every <laughs> single one of them. Although I will say, from what I've from what I've read and from what I'm hearing, Divine Diablo will not fall past the second round. Apparently, from who? Which would which would be pretty Twitter? shocking. He's going to have he's going to have the best Virginia Tech career out of or I'm sorry, pro career. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Mike, did that beer this really is why hit? We, wow. This is why we, I, I am good thing I drank six of these. Yeah, I mean, I know, we, no we should have known he was off um, his rocker when he said the sorry. Sox were going to win the World Series. We, we yeah. knew that was out. Well, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious about that. Divine Diablo <laughs> is going to have the best professional career, excuse me, out of any of these Virginia Tech prospects. Book it. I don't I don't believe that. I feel like that's, that's a serious good lead in if you actually believe that i do i'm serious about it i can kind of envision it for sure but i would like to hear your explanation but we'll keep it on the back burner but yeah folks thanks for listening to hoagie hangover podcast we made this one really long as usual but this was a pretty serious topic so i guess we had to go as long as we possibly could but go ahead and rate our podcast we really appreciate each and every single one of our listeners and if you give us a rating, it really like boosts us up into the kind of situation where we can get ranked number two. Go get number your vaccine at Main Street Farm. Go, no, yeah, seriously. Look at my Instagram and go follow Main Street Pharmacy on like every social media because they have vaccines to give away. And if you're in Blacksburg, you can get one. A lot of my friends, I have sent them there. They've gotten their vaccine. They feel great. They're liberated. Pandemic's over for them. Go do that. Main Street Pharmacy, Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will give you a vaccine uh otherwise uh shout out pat finn he gave me a shout out on Sunday saturday hung out with him a little bit this weekend good guy can't wait to see uh uh you know when football is actually being played otherwise last chance boys anything no nah. i'm good until then go hook.